Well, this morning we're going to combine our theme for the year, which is on a mission. We're going to combine that with our theme for the day. We're going to talk about our mission to our children. Just as a reminder, we have two big goals as we continue to explore our role in God's mission. Number one, our goal is to expand our vision of God's mission, that it's much bigger than we usually think of it as being. And secondly, our second goal is I'm really working to convince us that each one of us, every one of us, is God's missionary. And in particular, this morning, I want to expand our vision of God's mission by drawing attention to the most foundational and the most critical mission field that there is. And that's our children. I want to draw attention to our role as God's missionaries to our children. And today we're going to see that we bring God's blessings to the entire world, to all the nations, when we remember to teach our children to remember. We're going to see that we're faithful to our role as God's missionaries when we remember to teach our children to remember. You know, when those four young couples came up here with their babies, it brought back Lots of memories. When our first baby, Jonathan, was born almost 34 years ago, I remember experiencing emotions unlike anything I had ever experienced before. I remember being so excited. I remember being so determined to do things right. I remember being incredibly nervous. I couldn't believe that they'd actually entrusted us with this little helpless baby. And I remember being just overwhelmed by the responsibility. I can remember specifically the first time that Kathy and I were alone in our home with this tiny new life. It was just the three of us. And I remember being overcome with the reality of what this baby meant to us. We learn, like most of you have learned, children change everything, don't they? And our children consume us in many ways. You know, before that first child arrives, we know that we're going to love them, but you can't really prepare yourself for the depth of emotion that you feel, that depth of love that you feel once they're actually there. We might call it a love of biblical proportions, We love our kids unconditionally. We love our kids completely. It's heart, soul, mind, and strength love. And one of the byproducts of that kind of love, that depth of love, is the the hopes and the dreams that we have for our kids. We love our kids so much that we want what's best for them, what's best for their hearts, what's best for their minds, what's best for their souls. And that's where sometimes things get tricky. You see, sometimes this great love that we have for our children, this overwhelming desire we have to provide for our kids, sometimes that leads us down some very strange and some very dangerous paths. I don't know if you've been keeping track of this latest scandal, this college admissions scandal. It's pretty crazy, right? Fifty different people have been charged in a federal court 
as part of this long-running nationwide conspiracy. And what they've been trying to do is to illicitly, unfairly gain admission for their kids into top colleges and universities. Universities like Harvard, Yale, Stanford, and others, none of the colleges that I attended were on the list for sure. See, it turns out that parents apparently paid anywhere from $200,000 all the way up to $6.5 million to ensure that their kids would be admitted to these prestigious universities. $200,000 on the bottom end, $6.5 million on the top end. Listen to some of the allegations that are included in the charges. There are allegations that these parents bribed college entrance exam officials to facilitate cheating on college entrance exams, on things like the SAT and the ACT. There were coaches and administrators that were bribed so that they would designate these kids as recruited athletes when they weren't even athletes at all so that they could gain admission to these universities. There's allegations about using a charitable organization to conceal the bribery payments. The charges include having third parties take classes and exams in place of students and then submitting those grades as part of the student's college applications as if they took the classes themselves. They also submitted false applications for admission that contained fraudulently obtained exam scores, grades, awards, athletic activities, all kinds of things to make these kids look like they were something that they were not. I don't know what your reaction to that, but my reaction was, that is crazy. That these parents would do something like that. How could you possibly get to the place where it seemed like it was a good idea to go to those illegal and immoral and incredibly expensive lengths just to ensure that your children get into an elite university? That's crazy. How could you think that bribery and conspiracy and fraud are what's best for your children? Heart, soul, and mind. That was my initial reaction. But you know, after a while, after some reflection, you know, I think I understand exactly how those parents got there. See, those parents forgot what was truly best for their children. Those parents bought into the lie that status and fame and wealth are what's best for their children. And unfortunately, what they did is just a really extreme example of what loving parents do all of the time. Parents like us. Parents who want what is best for their children. It's just an extreme example of what parents often end up doing when they forget what is really best. What really matters for their children. It's what happens when we forget when we forget what's really best for our children. Heart, soul, and mind. It's what happens when we forget what really matters for our children. It's what happens when we forget that our God-given mission is to do what is truly best for our children. We are missionaries to our children. 
So what's that God-given mission that God has given us for our children? Well, it's the same mission that God gave to Abraham. It's the same mission that's been the foundation of God's ongoing mission with his people from the very beginning. See, foundational to God's mission is for his people to teach and train. For his people to lift up generation after generation of children who walk in God's way. Instead of walking in the ways of the world. It's our mission to raise up our children so those children will remember. And so they too will teach and train. And their children will remember. And they will teach and train from generation to generation. God articulated his foundational mission this way in Genesis chapter 18. He said, I have chosen Abraham so that he will direct his children and his household after him. I have chosen Abraham so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and what is just. That was Abraham's mission. To direct his children to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and what is just. And that's our mission After all, what does it profit our children if they gain admission to Harvard if they don't keep the way of the Lord? So that's our mission, to train our children in the way of the Lord so that when they grow older, they will not turn from him. And so that they will not forget to teach their children to also remember God's way. That's our mission. Mission. So what does that mission look like? Well, interestingly enough, God roots his mission for our children in remembering. In remembering, which sounds simple enough. But we need to understand that remembering for God and remembering for his people is much more than just a simple mental exercise. It's more than an intellectual process. Remembering is much more than just being able to recite facts about God. You see, when God calls on us to remember, he's calling on our minds, certainly, but he's also calling on our hearts. He's calling on our souls. He's calling on our strength. Let's listen to God call us to remember. Let's listen to God call on us to not forget to teach our children to remember. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9. Listen to the remembering language. This is Moses speaking to Israel. He says, be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. Remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, when he said to me, Assemble the people before me to hear my words so that they may learn to revere me as long as they live in the land and may teach my words to their children. Remember, don't forget 
Teach your children. That's remembering. It's not simply a mental exercise. It's also a heart and a soul and a strength exercise. And something interesting happens when we truly remember with our minds and our hearts and our soul and our strength, when we truly remember, when God is treasured in our hearts and our minds and our souls, when we truly treasure God, then mission happens. See, what happens is that when we are consumed with love for our God, we naturally share that love with our children. It's the most natural thing in the world to to bring our two loves together, our love for God and our love for our children. So what happens? Well, remembering becomes a directing exercise. It becomes a teaching exercise. It becomes a training exercise. We direct and train and teach our kids to remember God and to walk in his ways because we want what is truly best for our children. And so remembering also becomes an endowment exercise. You see, we want to leave good things for our children, don't we? We want to leave a legacy behind for our children. We want to endow our children with the very best, with what really matters. And see, and God reminds us that an inheritance that really matters, an inheritance that has true value, inheritance that has eternal value, an inheritance that has heart, soul, mind, and strength value, that inheritance is only found in following God's ways. Because we love God and we love our children. We bring those loves together and we endow our children with God's ways. That's our mission. To remember, to teach our children to remember. Remember. Just listen. To what it means to remember. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. So love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts and impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home And when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your forehead. Write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers to give you a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build. Houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide. Wells you did not dig. Vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful. When you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Our mission is to remember. I love the psalm that Jack read earlier. And I want to 
read that again because the remembering language in there is so rich and meaningful. Listen to those words again. The psalmist says, oh, my people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter hidden things, things from of old. But we have heard and known what our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from our children. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our forefathers to teach their children. And the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born. And they, in turn, would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. Remember. See, God makes it very clear. It's our mission to teach our children to remember. But you know what? God's people have consistently found it easier to forget than to remember. We know that's true, don't we? We see it in our own life. Sure, we may not get caught up in scandals. We may not resort to bribery or conspiracy or fraud in our misguided attempts to give our children what the world thinks is best. But that certainly doesn't mean that we are immune to the world's call to forget to remember our God. And you know, there are a lot of reasons why we often forget to remember our God. One reason we forget to remember is because so many of us lead these compartmentalized lives. Compartmentalized lives. We have our religious lives in one compartment. We have our work lives in a second compartment. We have our entertainment and recreation lives in a third compartment. We have our political lives in a fourth compartment. We have compartment after compartment after compartment. But God can't be placed in a compartment. See, God demands everything. He demands all of our hearts, all of our minds, all of our souls, all of our strength. When we truly remember God, God permeates and he dominates every aspect of our lives. And when we stick him in a compartment, we forget to remember. So compartmentalization is an enemy of remembering. A second enemy of remembering is satisfaction. Moses recognized that, didn't he? Listen again to Moses' warning. He said, when the Lord your God brings you into the land he swore to your fathers to give you, this land that's full of wonderful things that you didn't have anything to do with bringing to yourself. When God takes you into that land, then be careful that when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you don't forget the Lord. When you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you don't eat the Lord. Satisfaction is an enemy of remembering. In fact, the very things that we're tempted to pursue for our children, 
Those are the very things that will cause them to become satisfied and forget to remember the Lord. Harvard degrees, prestigious jobs, fame, fortune. Moses would remind us, be careful when you consume those things. Be careful when those things consume you. Because when you eat those things, you're going to be tempted to be forgetful. You'll be satisfied and forget the Lord. So satisfaction with our worldly accomplishments, that causes us to forget to remember. What else causes us to forget to remember? Well, time causes us to forget to remember. Those of us who are getting older, we certainly recognize that the passing of time is an enemy of remembering, right? But there's something else that's a more dangerous enemy of remembering, and that's our perpetual lack of time. Our lack of time for the Lord. Our pursuit of the Harvard degree, our pursuit of the prestigious job, our pursuit of a famous profile and an envious bank account. Our pursuit of all of those things leaves precious little time for remembering our God. You see, if we're consumed, heart, mind, soul, and strength... If our time is consumed with things other than walking in God's ways, then we will forget to remember. Time is an enemy of remembering. Now, don't get me wrong. God isn't opposed to college degrees. And God isn't opposed to good jobs. And he isn't opposed to successful people. But God is certainly opposed to competing missions. God is opposed to anything and everything that competes for our hearts, that competes for our minds, that competes for our souls. And he's certainly opposed to things that compete for the hearts and minds and souls of our children. Which is why it's doubly tragic when parents and grandparents and other Christian adults teach our children to value those competing missions over our God. And that's what I want to do this morning. I want to challenge us to refocus, to recommit, to recommit to being on a mission for our children, on a mission to give them what really matters. And what really matters isn't degrees. What really matters isn't athletic accomplishments. What really matters isn't popularity. What really matters isn't large bank accounts. What really matters isn't any of those things. Which is why I want us to recommit to endowing our children with what has true value. So that they'll remember their God. And they will walk in his ways. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. See, I don't think you would be here if you didn't want that for your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren and all the other children that are in this congregation and the children to come. I believe that you want that for our children. So if you do want that, if you want to endow generation after generation with heart, soul, and mind love for God, then let me tell you what you need to do. The first thing you need to do is you yourself need to love God. 
That's a gift that we give our children. We need to love our God with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, all of our strength. And you need to impress God on your children. You need to talk about him. When you're sitting at home, when you're walking along the road, when you're driving in your car, when you're ready to lie down at night and the first thing when you get up in the morning, morning, noon, and night, not God in a compartment, but God as the most important thing in your life. God who permeates every aspect of your life. See, when we love our God, our children don't forget. Second thing that you need to do is you need to love his word. Let me give you an image. When your children remember you, they should remember an open Bible. And they should also remember answers and advice, even humor that's always seasoned with God's word. They should remember a family where decisions and priorities are always determined by God's word and by God's will. See, when we love God's word, our children don't forget. The third thing you need to do is you need to love God's church. And you need to love the people in that church. See, our children learn to love what we love, don't they? And they learn to despise what we despise, don't they? And when our children see that we only love those who are easy to love, or if we only love those who love us first, we teach our children to forget. Teach our children to forget the unlovable and the unloving. And when we refuse to forgive, we teach our children to be unforgiving. When we treat our brothers and sisters one way, but when we're driving home from church, we talk about them in a different way. We teach our children to be hypocrites. We teach our children to remember by loving God's church and all its people. Fourth thing you need to do, you need to remember what is best. Our children aren't easily fooled, are they? Our children know where our minds are. They know where our hearts are. They know what our strength is devoted to. Our children know because they see and they watch and they hear. And if our lips tell our children that they should always remember that God's ways are the best but our actions show that we really value other things more than we value God. If our lips say we value God over all other things, but our actions show that we value degrees and jobs and status and wealth, if we value competing missions over God, then we can't be surprised if our children forget to remember because they see that we forgot. So when we remember what is truly best for our children, we teach them to remember. Fifth thing that you need to do, you need to love your neighbors. 
You know, we can't divorce the greatest commandment from the second greatest commandment. They go together. They belong together. People who love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, they demonstrate that love by loving their neighbors, loving their neighbors as themselves. So when we love our neighbors, we teach our children to remember. The sixth and seventh things that you need to do, they have to do with what we notice, what we remark on the things that we're aware of in our world. You see, when we are always conscious of God's presence, when we're always conscious of God's power, then we teach our children to remember God. Well, how do we do that? Well, we draw attention to the beauty of God's creation. We comment on answered prayers. We give thanks for God's bountiful provisions. We recognize God's hand at work in the world. When we do all of those things, we teach our children to remember. When we remember his deeds and recognize his power, we teach our children to remember. And finally, number eight, what you need to do in order to teach your children to remember is to appreciate what you have in this wonderful world, but never be satisfied. Appreciate what God's given you, but never be satisfied with this world because you recognize that this world is not your home. See, we teach our children to remember when we love being with them in this world. We love being with our children in this world, but we can't wait to be with them in the next world. Because in that world, we'll be with them for eternity and we'll be with God forever. We teach our children to remember. When we appreciate this world, but we look forward to the world to come. You see, we teach our children to remember when we, with all of our hearts, minds, souls, and strength, when we want what is absolutely the best for them. And what's best for them is status. And it is fame. And it is wealth. Their status as children of God is what we want for them. Their fame as the ones redeemed by God is what we want for our children. And the wealth that's stored up for them in heaven by their God is what we want to have for our children. That's our mission. Our mission for our children and for our children's children, and for their children, and for generation after generation to come, to endow them with a love for God and a love for walking in his ways. Let's be on a mission for our children. Let's not forget to teach our children to remember. Let's pray together. Father, it is a great responsibility that you've entrusted to us your precious children. And Father, we hear so many competing voices and competing missions. Father, voices and missions that would pull us away from you, voices and missions that would pull our children away from you. So Father, we ask that you help us to recommit, to refocus, 
on walking in your ways. To remembering you and your great power. You and your great deeds. You and what you have done for us through your son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. Father, help that to permeate our lives, to inform every aspect of our lives so that, Father, we may look forward to the day that we spend eternity with you and, Father, we can leave this world knowing, Father, that our children will remember and they'll remember to teach and their children will remember. And, Father, may this be a generation after generation through the work of this church and the people of this church, of people who stand firm in your word and walk in your ways. And Father, we pray this through the name of Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. So I want to end by giving you a missional challenge. This is missional challenge number 11. And it won't surprise you to hear that it's a remembering challenge. I'm going to ask you to do this. Every day this week, each day this week, set aside just a couple of minutes and pray for those four children that we celebrated today. Pray for Ava, Ryan, Raylin, and Colton. Pray for their parents, their grandparents. Pray for their families. Pray for us as a congregation. Pray that they will never forget to remember their God. Let's stand. Let's sing.